Welcome to the Dog Help Podcast, proudly sponsored by Positive Improvement and hosted by Christy Kirby Barron. As a certified dog behavior consultant, I'm eager to share my extensive experience and expertise to help you with all of your dog training needs. From tackling common issues to diving deep into the mysteries behind dog behavior, I'm confident I can help provide you with the solutions you need. So don't hesitate to hit the subscribe button and join me on this exciting journey of discovery. Hey everyone, I'm so glad you joined me today. I wanted to kind of give you an idea of what we're going to be covering, the kinds of things you can look for in the future on this podcast. I'm going to be doing case studies. I'll be talking about some dogs that I've worked with, how we resolve the issues, uh, and looking at some videos and kind of showing you some things on the YouTube channel. I'm going to deal with all kinds of training problems. Um, I've got questions from clients asking about how to make common called better, when it's appropriate, and how to use toys, Um, looking at two female dogs that are trying to kill each other that don't get along in the same home. Um, A day in the life of a dog show and problem behaviors, uh, barking, I call it recreational barking. We're gonna discuss service dogs, uh, considerations before buying a dog. We're all things dog. So if you have a question, if you have a topic you want to have me cover with you, or if you'd like to uh, maybe become a guest on the show so that you can ask me questions and we'll talk about it on the show, um, hit subscribe, pop in, uh, comment, send me a message, say, you know, hey, I'd like you to look at this or can you help me with this? Um, So those are some of the things that you can see uh, popping up on these podcasts and on YouTube. And I think we're all going to have a great time doing this. So when it started out, I have hesitated to do a podcast at all. And I was asked over and over, hey, you should be doing this. Like there are millions of people out there on the internet and you should be doing this. And at first I was kind of like, well, yeah, but what am I going to say that hasn't been said before and finally my dear sweet clients kind of got it through that sometimes I just have a way of saying things that may help it uh, help it stick help you understand it Uh, sometimes these things can get all sciencey and it kind of like sounds good but then you're not really sure what you read after you read it, or when you click off that video, you're not quite sure what all that stuff meant. And so they told me, apparently, that I have a way of helping it stick and helping you understand and talking you, you through things. So I decided to take their suggestions and their arm twisting and go ahead and put out a podcast. So here we are. Today, though, we are going to talk about 10 things that you should consider with getting a new dog or getting a new puppy. Um, Maybe you got one for Christmas. Maybe you got one recently. Maybe you're planning on getting a dog. And 10 things that 
I'm sure a lot of you have already considered some of these things, but maybe not all of them. So I'm going to help you out. First thing to consider once you've gotten a dog is to go to the vet. That is your first professional that you need to go see. You need to talk to your, you need to get your puppy or your dog checked out, get the vaccines, talk about your shot schedule, because depending on the size, the age, and the breed of your dog, not all shot schedules are alike. Sometimes there are different protocols that are recommended for dogs based on either their size or tendencies known in the breed. Um, so that's definitely something to discuss with your vet. Go let them check the, your new dog or your puppy out. And while you're there, ask them, what does my shot schedule look like? What vaccines are we looking at? How many do I need? Um, you'd be surprised if the number of people, when I talk to them, they come back and, and ask them for their vet records and they say, well, here they are and I'm looking and they didn't get a complete set of shots from the vet. And it's simply that they didn't know they were supposed to have more sets. And so then they have to go back to the vet and finish the series. And it kind of, it's a nail biter because you hope their puppy doesn't get exposed to something um, that is not protected from before they're able to finish the, the vaccines. So, Go to the vet, make sure you understand the health of the dog and kind of what it's going to look like and when you should come back. And the next person, the, your next professional that you need to see, honest goodness, in this order, vet first, the trainer needs to be next. You need to go to a trainer earlier rather than later. People wait until the trainer is the last option a trainer should be your first choice, not your last option. Do not wait until these bad habits are set in and it's it's so disheartening to me when someone comes to me and they have like this 10-month-old puppy and he's gotten big and he's not cute anymore, but he's clawing everybody and jumping up and he's kept outside most of the time because he just jumps on everyone and he's wild in the house. And at some point, people are like, if you don't help me with this dog, I'm not going to be able to keep him. And in my head, I just cringe. And I think, why didn't you get a trainer when you got him and he was still little and still cute? Folks, the time to stop bad habits is to prevent them from learning them. The whole pulling on the leash, jumping up, all of that, those should be addressed as soon as your puppy comes home. You think potty training, and you should be thinking no pulling, no jumping, no bad behaviors. So it's really kind of some things are puppy behaviors, and yes, they do grow out of them. Some things they do not grow out of. They just get bigger, and they still tear up things, and they still jump on people and bark. And so find a trainer. Find a trainer. Let that be your your second person, your second professional to involve in your life. And if you need help on finding a trainer, you can go to the Certification Council uh, for Professional Dog Trainers, the CCPDT. They have a search where you can search for 
a credentialed trainer. Uh, the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants, the IAABC, they have a website where you can go find one of their dog behavioral counselors or their accredited dog trainers on there. Um, but the big thing is you want someone who is accredited. You need to see some credentials. That's a whole nother podcast because there are a lot of people out there who are going to say, I'm a great trainer and I'm not credentialed. And that can be true, but that's a topic for a whole nother podcast. So your vet, your vet's first, your trainer is next. And the third professional you are going to hop right over to is a groomer. So I can already hear some of you folks tuning it out because you're like, ah, I got a lab. I don't need a groomer. Oh, but yes, you do. Labs still need to have their nails done, their ears clean. And if you can do the nails properly at home, that's great. If you can't, do your dog a favor and help them learn how to have their feet handled and learn how to have their nails trimmed before they're big and have to be manhandled in order to get the job done. When you take a puppy into a groomer, they have special pricing for things. So they do puppy baths. In a puppy bath, it's, it's all about teaching the puppy. Everything is, um, it's gentle and it's done, it takes longer and it's done in a way that helps your puppy learn to be in a professional setting um, without freaking out. So their first experiences being groomed or having their nails clipped can be traumatic, but it doesn't have to be. So you go into a groomer with your lab. Did you guys know that you don't, some people shave their labs. That is a, don't do that. They have de-shed treatments or shed treatments. So even your short haired dogs, like your labs, your Dalmatians, Dobermans, um, these guys may not have long hair, but they still shed quite a bit. And you can take them to, to the groomer. They can do these de-shed treatments that last six to eight weeks, and it really does make a difference. But if you ever want to be able to do anything like that, it's best to start when they're young. Um, one side note with that, try to stay with the same groomer. Um, groomers are very methodical. They do the same thing in the same order every time. If your dog sees that groomer every time they go, they know what's coming. They build a relationship. The dog knows what's next. The groomer knows what the dog's likes and dislikes are. And it can make that a predictable experience so that it's less traumatic for your dog. Um, one last thing. Some people don't realize that you can tip a groomer. Uh, tip your groomer, even if it's not much, tip your groomer. If you take care of your groomer, when you need that emergency, my dog got sprayed by a skunk or rolled in something dead, uh, your groomer will take care of you. So I know my groomer is out there giving me a round of applause for that, but honestly, it's true. Okay, the next thing. You need to know your breed's needs. That means their size, what they're supposed to end up 
whether they're going to be big, small, you need to know their, their size. If you, if you got a little mixed breed, that's fine. Try to identify what their uh, mixes are if you can. Sometimes it's not possible, but dogs have breed specific needs. Um, for instance, anything terrier is going to dig, it's going to bark, and it will it'll go after things. It, it's got a strong prey drive, these terriers do. Herding breeds, there's, those are the ones that'll boop you with their nose going down the hall or nip at your, uh, the back of your thigh or your ankle going down the hall um, because it's a breed trait. It's something they, they are bred to do. And I find that a lot of behavioral problems come about in people not understanding what's driving that behavior. Like, why is the dog doing that? And so they, they perceive it as something else and try to correct it or try to deal with it in a different way. And it all begins to make sense once they realize that's something that is normal for that breed. So know your breed, know how big they're going to get know uh, know what to expect and working with your trainer will help you decide and decode some of the behaviors that your puppy throws out or your new dog throws out there and you can weed through them together. So everybody grabs the puppy and I can't tell you the number of times that I've seen them go straight to the big box pet store or pet store wherever and they're walking around and the puppies in the basket or being carried everybody in there is petting there's so much going on you're picking out all kinds of stuff and I just want to say ask your vet before you do that ask your vet when it is okay to take the puppy into such a heavily populated area with other dogs. Um, it's one of those things where they need to kind of give you some input and say, yeah, it's okay to take your puppy here, but don't put them on the ground. Maybe they say, don't do that and find a, find a different way, uh, like bring the stuff home and, and fit it and take it back if it doesn't fit. Um, but Definitely find out from the vet before you rush into the pet store and expose your puppy to all kinds of things. Um, one thing you're going to be looking for when you do go to that pet store is going to be food. You need to assess what kind of food the puppy is already eating. And if the food is a decent quality, it's easy for you to get in your area, then maybe you don't want to change food. But if maybe the breeder is feeding a grain-free food that is like liquid gold per ounce, uh, have to sell your left kidney to pay for next month, then it's appropriate to explore other options. And it's also appropriate if your puppy comes to you being fed the cheapest stuff out there, it's appropriate to kind of choose options, look at everything, and decide, is this a food my dog really needs to be on? Now, I am not a certified nutritionist, um, but I can tell you that corn, there are 
definitely corn can be a filler. So cheaper dog foods that have fillers in them, one problem that it can give you is difficulty potty training the puppy. If they are eating more and it's going through them, they're going to poop more and it becomes harder and harder to gauge that uh, schedule and when they're going to poop, you know, and, and so you get into the situation where the puppy goes out, he pees, he comes back in and he poops on the floor a few minutes later. And there are many reasons for that, but one of them could be food. Next consideration, toys. Let's talk about some toys. They need to be appropriate for the breed and the size of the dog. And you need to be concerned about what they're made of. It's okay for them to have soft squeaky toys until they start tearing them up. When they start tearing them up and ripping the stuffing out and getting the squeakers, you need to stop purchasing those toys for the dogs. The more you practice something, the better you get. And that means these guys are getting better and better at shredding and tearing. Eventually, they're going to realize that your pillows are fabric and they have stuffing in them. Um, they're going to find ways. They're going to ingest the filling. They're going to, it's just a bad idea all the way around and can cause uh, blockages that have to be surgically taken care of. So be careful of the little soft ones and even the ones that don't have the squeak, the stuffing in them, they're flat and crinkly. Uh, Daphne, one of my dachshunds here, is amazingly fast at chewing a leg off or a head off or the tail off of one of those things and swallowing it whole, just the way it is. And so she's a miniature dachshund. And then you can imagine my um, fear when I saw four inches or three inches of uh, dog toy just bloop, right down. And we had to wait for it to pass. And it was... Uh, it was very alarming to me, to say the least, but I learned that even if it didn't have stuffing, it's still not appropriate for my household. Rawhide. So with rawhide, the big thing with rawhide, it's not digestible. There are other things to chew on that are. They have rolled beef cheeks, uh, bully sticks, cow hooves. Uh, there are lots and lots of alternatives for rawhide. And the big thing with any toy is that it doesn't matter what kind of toy it is or what kind of chew it is. It's going to be fine for some dogs and it's not going to be okay for others. I've seen some dogs do perfectly well with the cow hooves and things like that. And then another dog will have cracked a molar from chewing on something that hard. So it really is, no matter what you give them, whether it says indestructible, no matter what it is, when you watch your dog, you give them a toy, you need to supervise them with that toy to make sure that it really is going to be okay for your dog. Also, do not give them anything that's not a toy. Um, that means shoes. If they're chewing on, if they keep grabbing your slippers, don't give them that pair because you are creating a problem. They will forever think that every pair is okay. Uh, there was a breeder 
really good breeder as a matter of fact and the only thing that we kind of didn't see eye to eye on I guess is that she would take towels and get them wet and put them in the freezer and so when she had litters of puppies she would give the puppies these towels these frozen towels to chew on and it all sounds great like oh what a great idea but these puppies were absolutely obsessed with towels. So when they went to their homes, one of the things we had to deal with with every one of them was a towel obsession. You couldn't have a, t they would pull them down off of your bathroom towel rack. They'd pull them off of the hand towels off the kitchen sink. They would, if it was a towel, it was in danger. And it really started from way back when they're little bitty. So before you give them towels to play with or shoes uh, or some people will throw a shirt, a t-shirt over in there with them, before you give them that, make sure that every other thing that looks like that is not going to be like every other towel, every other shoe. Those are fair game. Like your puppy doesn't understand the difference. So make sure that what you let them play with is something that they can play with all of them. Um, next on our list, we need to talk about a crate. And I know it can be a little controversial with some people. Some people are adamantly opposed to putting their dog in a crate. They're, I am not putting my puppy in a box. And I do understand that sentiment. I understand how people can feel that way. In fact, there's a whole country uh, in Switzerland, you cannot use crates. Uh, they're actually banned. They are illegal. And I had the, in doing the, uh, some of my behavioral work, taking the classes, um, the, the certifications that I have and the extensive education that went with it is not a local thing. So it was done on an worldwide international kind of thing and so i was actually able to speak to um a behaviorist who is who lives in switzerland and i was able to say if you guys can't create how do you potty train your dogs how do you keep them out of trouble and she told me and uh and i it was absolutely wonderful uh i can have a episode on that if you want to hear more about that but bottom line they need to have some place to be put where they are safe when you're not able to keep an eye on them when you have to leave uh there, there are a million different reasons why you really kind of need to use a crate or some type of confinement uh if you ever have to board them when they go to the to the groomer uh, you guys with the little dogs, when they go to the groomer, they're going to be put in a cage bank. If they go to the vet and they are sick, they're not going to be put in one of the nifty hotel suites with the TV and the dog bed. No, they're going to have to go into a cage bank. And not only do they feel bad, uh, they're being left someplace that people have to handle them and they don't know these people and they don't feel good, but they're also going to be crammed in a in their perception crammed in a little box and it can be a very positive experience it's not like you're just going to slam the door and 
you know, ignore them forever and ever. It can be a positive experience where they do not feel like they are put into a little jail cell. And it really, there are a million reasons why a dog needs to have the ability to be created if they need to be. Doesn't mean you have to be all the time, just need to have the ability to create. Um, whether your dog's going to be indoor, outdoor dog, that's the other thing I hear. Well, my dog's an outdoor dog. If your dog isn't like a livestock guardian out with a herd, if you have your pet and you live uh, in a neighborhood, you your dog does not need to be a 100% outdoor dog, period. This is another reason for using a crate. Your dog should not be outside in a fence or chained up somewhere if a tornado is coming. If there is hail and they can't get out of that. Um, and some people are like, well, there's a dog house out there. No, it's not enough when it's like below freezing or when it's 100 degrees. Uh, your dog absolutely must have a way and you must meet that dog's needs by bringing them in when they really need to come in. And some people, I understand, there's some people, mommy ain't gonna let you bring the dog in, but if you were able to crate train your puppy and the dog was able to come into um, maybe a laundry room in a crate or a garage, then they're safe. Uh, but that's just one more reason to be able to use a crate regardless of whether you really intend to use it in the future or not is a great skill to have. So another thing we need to talk about are ID, collar, leash. Uh, a lot of people get in their dogs microchipped and I absolutely believe in that. I think it's fabulous. Um, but you need to consider the fact that when your dog is missing, you have to find them first. And the person who finds them has to take them into either the shelter or a vet who will scan them to read the chip. And not all chips can be scanned by, it's not necessarily a universal scanner. So sometimes you have to have different types of scanners to read some of these chips. Um, I still believe it's a great way to identify your dog so that if somebody claims it's not your dog, you can prove that it is. But I also recommend you guys finding some other way to identify your dog or track your dog so that you know where they are to go get them. Um, I personally use Fi collars, the F-I, Fi collars. I know a lot of people use air tags. Um, these are ways that you can find your dog if they get loose and go pick them up before searching for months and praying someone found your dog before it got hit by a car is necessary. Uh, all right, so our last thing for our topics is socialization. Now, everybody thinks about taking the dog out. Oh yeah, we need to expose them. When I ask people, what do you think about socialization? What does that mean to you? Everybody generally says, take them out, uh, let them see things, uh, get them around a lot of people, 
Um, just get them out, get them out. And that absolutely is accurate. But there's one huge caveat. They have to have a good time. So just getting them out and exposing them to things, if the puppy is overwhelmed, then it has not been a good experience. The goal of socialization is to teach the puppy that the world isn't a big scary place. And so if you take them out and you let them get spooked by something, then you have all that to overcome. Now they think, oh my gosh, when we go here, something bad's going to happen. Um, so there are definite ways to handle socialization. Again, uh, trainer was the second person that you reached out to, right? Second person, uh, right after that vet. And the trainers should be able to help you find ways that uh, you can socialize your dog in the manner that is approved by your vet. And what I mean by that is that some vets are very strict about health care um, and making sure that the dog is fully vaccinated before you take them out and socialize. I can tell you that from a behavioral standpoint, if you wait until the puppy is four to six months old before you take them anywhere, you will have missed a huge opportunity for socialization. And when you try to do it later in life, after that socialization period is kind of passed, it's not as effective. Um, you're never going to have the best results that you could have had if you wait. So that's definitely a discussion you need to have with your vet. But I would say talk to your vet, talk to your behavioral counselor, me, and decide what the risks are both ways. Um, because if they've had a certain number of vaccines, their chances of getting, of contracting a disease that will kill them uh, is 1%. But if you don't get them out, the chances of them uh, having emotional or mental type instabilities from not being socialized can be 98 to 100%. So you kind of have to, you have to weigh out the pros, the cons, and make sure that kind of you, you figure out what's best for you and your dog. So to recap, we're going to go to the vet first. Then we're going to hop on over to our trainer and the trainer is going to help us find the groomer. And even if we have a dog that isn't going to need grooming uh, every six to eight weeks, I promise you it's still best to take your dog to a groomer when they're young and let them learn. Um, then we're going to go to trainer and the vet are both going to help us know our dog's breed and their breed specific needs. We're going to evaluate their food, their toys. We're going to find a crate or some means of uh, enclosing them so that they can't run all over the house chewing everything up. We're going to make sure that they have an ID collar, microchips, some means of keeping them safe uh, with identification. And then we're going to socialize. Uh, that all sounds kind of kind of like knowledge that you would think everybody would know. 
but there really are certain things like I could I could almost do a podcast episode for each one of these topics. There's just so much to know about all this stuff. But that's all the time we have for now. Um, so hit subscribe, share this. Um, I don't, I, you guys, most of you at this point are, are clients or friends of mine, but this really, this information should be shared with everybody. It's not a local thing. Um, I do virtual consults. I do behavioral, I have clients, uh, in other states and people aren't aware that that is a thing that even though you don't have a behavior as close to you, you don't have a veterinary behaviorist, you don't have a dog, uh, behavioral consultant next to you, you can still get help. Um, so spread this message and help people, uh, be aware of these topics that we're going to bring up. It's, uh, there's just so much to share with you guys. So subscribe, share, and catch me next time. Thanks.